It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to a crossover Locked On Podcast Network show, some Locked On Pacers, Locked On Heat action, because today would have been a very important game day for both teams. As always, I am one of the hosts of Locked On Pacers, Tony East. I cover the Pacers for Forbes in the West Indianapolis Community News. On the other line with me, the host of Locked On Heat, featured columnist at the step back, David Rammel. David, how's it going, man? I'm doing pretty well. You know, all things considered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an adjustment period for everybody. I'm not sure how how you and your folks are doing, but uh, you know, it's been uh, a little difficult out here and, and we're starting to see more and more long ranging impacts outside of just the NBA, but uh, overall trying to stay optimistic and, and looking forward to talking some basketball with somebody. Cause it's been something that I haven't had a chance to do much of lately. 30 minutes of my day that I get to dedicate to not talking about how I'm going to survive. I very much enjoy doing that. And today would have been a fun game for a lot of reasons. One being that this is the 5-4 matchup in the East right now, um, and the Pacers play the Heat two more times before the season. They're two games back. They probably wouldn't have caught the Heat in the tiebreaker because Miami was for sure going to win that division, right? I mean, there's just no way they don't. No, I, I can't uh, imagine anybody. I, I mean, unless – no, no, no. Nobody was even close. Or Orlando's not going to go on a 13-game win streak between now and the end of the season. You know, they finished off the season really hot last year, <laughs> which is what cemented them in the playoffs instead of Miami. But, no, I can't expect them going on that kind of a run this year. Right. So the Pacers would not have caught the heat in the tiebreaker. But uh, any win over the team you're chasing is obviously important. Uh, heat 2-0 against the Pacers so far this year. And if you'll recall, Jimmy Butler circled this game on the calendar – on Instagram, he was ready to scrap with TJ Warren again, who cannot guard him. Uh, although Jimmy Butler only had 14 points in that game. Who's, who remembers that, though? Anyway, before we talk beef, let's talk overall game. Uh, the Heat, last game before this, David, lost to the Hornets. And that is something I would say is bad, but the Pacers have also lost to the Hornets this year. But what's the vibe around this team right now? Because I know Jimmy Butler missed that game, uh, so, so injuries can be chalked up a little bit there. But it seems like uh, that even without Butler, they should be winning that game. So how, how are things around the Heat right now? They, they can get exposed a little bit, particularly from the perimeter. And I think that was the case. I, I, if, <laughs> one of the things that we've seen as far as the way they lose games, they always build a huge lead. And then somehow they always wind up giving it up. It's not like it's a close back and forth game. And then all of a sudden they just lose by three or anything like that. They were up 20 in the first quarter. I mean, wow. they were they were spanking the Hornets. And then I remember tweeting out during that game, and it was the last game of the season, obviously, that all of a sudden in the second quarter, I, I think that the trio of P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham, and I can't remember who the third player was, they, they scored like 38 combined points in the second quarter. Jeez. And that's just – yeah, it's ridiculous. They just gave up this huge – burst of offense and they just couldn't contain it and it wasn't like the second team is particularly bad they have some good defenders there and jay crowder and andre guadala and, and this is the heat that you know normally prides themselves on defense but 
they just kept hemorrhaging points and there was no way of stopping it. And that's just been the case with Miami over the course of the season. Now, you know, prior to that game, they had won four straight, including one over Milwaukee, the only team to beat Milwaukee twice, once in Milwaukee, once at home. And so you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is a really good team, all of a sudden posed to, to poise for a, a big, you know, stretch towards the end of the season, and then they just lose to the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, you're right. You know, they were out without Jimmy. He's a good source of offense. He's their leader on defense as well. But they should have more than enough talent there to knock off a struggling Hornets team. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah, they were losing in that game before to Washington as well. So really yeah. not the three games you want to see after a four-game win streak, especially after being the Bucs. Um, yeah, that's it. You know, that's all very interesting because – I mean, only scoring 98 in that game, especially, you wonder, like, how's the team, where's the team's headspace at, obviously. It's going to be interesting to see for what would have been this matchup in this game. I wonder, you know, I don't know if you've heard anything, but I wonder, and we obviously never got a chance to talk to players that day, but I'm I'm curious to know whether or not, like, at some point during the third quarter, as we're seeing Woj tweet out that the NBA has canceled the rest of the season, whether or not fans start yelling at players and saying, well, this doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Or whether or not players just kind of get in their own heads and start to freak out a little bit and go, well, what the hell am I going to you know, do anything in the fourth quarter considering the season's pretty, pretty much over anyway? Well, they had to know, right, because the, the Hawks put in Vince. So they knew, didn't they? Or is that just a standard blowout put in your vet thing? Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, they weren't facing the Hawks. They were facing the Hornets. So. No, I know. I mean, just in general for other games that night, like, they – Oh, did. yeah. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good point. But I, I remember – that was an early game, though. So, I remember yeah. seeing the news about Rudy Gobert and the Utah-Oklahoma City, you know, situation kind of play out there. And that was, I believe, in the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, we got confirmation that Gobert had tested positively. So, I wonder fans being, uh, you know, as connected as they are – start yelling things to guys on the bench and all of a sudden you start hearing about this. Yeah. <laughs> the wow. fourth quarter doesn't matter as much all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, basketball doesn't matter as much all of a sudden. <laughs> That's so the point. heat of our, our already surpassed last year's total, uh, yeah. which that's impressive anyway, just given this point in the season. But uh, good trades, big summer, some, of course, typical heat fashion, scooping guys up who no one really knows about, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, turn them into huge contributors. Um, what's been the, like, obviously you get Jimmy Butler, like that's, you're going to stare at that with giant eyes and go, that's the thing that made you good. But what's been the biggest reason for this team's turnaround? I mean, they just, they got a ton of talent everywhere. So it could just be that. I'm just, I'm curious how they went from 39 to 41 so easily and look, look really good this whole season. Well, I think the last couple of years they've had talent, but there was no clear hierarchy there. And they were looking at different guys to kind of step up. I mean, a few years ago, Goron was probably the team's best player and, and he you know he's a mid-level you know star kind of player he's not quite a superstar obviously and you know he's not also a naturally born I think leader in that locker room and so it was a little difficult kind of following his lead and then you tried pigeonholing guys like Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow or Dion Waiters to an extent and obviously they dealt with different issues over the course of their <laughs> stints. What are you talking Miami. about? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, though. The Dion Waiter situation, totally overblown. He was not a problem in that locker room. Wow. I mean, I, yeah, I know I know the perception outside, but he was not. I think that he was generally pretty well liked in that locker room. Oh, look, I mean, think of it from this perspective. He had to have gotten the gummies from someone. So if that, nothing else, <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, he had yes, a good hookup sure. somewhere in that plant. So. 
um, you know, but uh, the, the lack of a hierarchy there and a clear superstar, I think, was a big thing. I mean, they were kind of deferring to Dwayne Wade in his last season. And I think that's a bit of a problem, too, because obviously Dwayne at 37 was no longer the player that he once was. And so it never quite worked out, even though their talent was pretty good. Not great, but, you know, it was good enough to win. And they just couldn't win a lot of games last year. Then this year, obviously, you get Jimmy in there and there's a clear hierarchy. He is the team's superstar. But all of a sudden, you have more minutes for Bam Adebayo and his versatility is, you know, just on witness for everybody and, and he obviously steps up and, and takes it has a, a huge leap and then you have guys like Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan, everybody kind of contributing in their own way and knowing their role and that was pretty interesting like I mean we see it play out but you heard Jimmy Butler actually verbalize this recently on the JJ Redick podcast where he talks about how important it is for guys to know their roles on a team and I think that's what we're seeing is that everybody understands their place there it's not that there's a deference to Jimmy or anything like that. I think they're they're pretty much on even footing, but at the same time, everybody knows that Jimmy is the team star and everybody has a role to fill. And more importantly, they accept that role and they want to thrive in it. And I think that's the, the been the key to the success this year. Yeah, it's crazy to see them be a lot better. And they're really fun to watch. I mean, the the, the handoff machines, it's a joy. That's where they ripped the Pacers to shreds in Indy huh. in January. Yeah. They just all right. Hand the ball off to whatever guard going downhill. We're going to score. I mean, Bam was ridiculous. Jimmy was ridiculous in that game. None was ridiculous. I mean, by ridiculous, I mean they just shot really well and got whatever they wanted. But, I mean, they, they just tore apart the Pacers. They have the perfect matchups to do so because they can really get anybody moving. And the Pacers have some good defenders, but not a lot of speedy downhill guys. And the, the Heat were just killing them. And, of course, Duncan Robinson was spreading the floor like crazy. So, Heat are really good. And they're kind of a tough matchup for the Pacers this year, which is why they've handled them twice the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, what, what's the perception of a guy like Duncan? I mean, I think they're starting to get more and more buzz about him just because he was in a three-point shootout and everything else. But, I mean, you you don't follow the team as closely. What, what is your perception of Duncan or maybe people around the NBA in general? What, what do you think of, of Duncan? Well, I know him generally, I think, a little more than the common person just because I live in Big Ten country, right? So. Sure. I'd heard of him before, at least, where most people yeah. hadn't. But, I mean, it, it, it's weird because, yeah, perception, like, first word that comes to head, elite spot-up shooter. But you watch him, and he's moving a lot. Oh, constantly. Yeah, so it's it's not that. It's it's more Corver-esque than, I don't, I can't think of the stereotypical spot-up guy. But, yeah, it's more Corver-esque than anything. And it's it's super impressive, and it's ridiculous that they just, they literally could turn me and you into useful players that he could, so. <laughs> Pretty crazy how they do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he—I didn't see that coming from him, you know. And that's the no thing way. too. Oh no way! He was on the team last year. Everybody kind of overlooks that, especially for like three days, though, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he was on a two-day. <laughs> he was a, a two-way player, and and so he spent a lot of his time in Sioux Falls, or even when he was in Miami, he was getting like five, eight minutes tops. You know, he wasn't really cracking the lineup, and then all of a sudden, he just and it wasn't he, a good three-point shooter. Ten for thirty-five. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> 
was it was amazing. So I, wow. I, you knew that he had that ability too, but he also I think he he kind of in the Miami way he he leaned up a little bit. I think he uh, you know got into better fitness and conditioning shape, and and then uh, from there I think just they they kind of rolled out the offensive package, and we've seen this before they did it with Wayne Ellington over the last couple of years too. And then obviously this was the offensive play system that they had in place for Ray Allen too. And, and so I think Spolster keeps using these kind of offensive sets to get guys open, but we're, we're you know, I think Duncan had to commit to it and and, and everything else. And uh, obviously he's, he's done a pretty good job. Yeah. You set a franchise record. I'd call that a pretty, pretty good job. Yeah. yeah Dude is just yeah. chucking. Uh, yeah. His spacing yeah. was, was really critical. I mean, I, the way the Heat offense just – I mean, when Bam was out there, and I know Bam is amazing and plus-minus is kind of stupid, but the Heat outscored the Pacers by 31 because Duncan would space the floor. They just throw it to Bam and say, all right, you twist and turn a little bit until someone cuts or is open for a handoff, and boom, they get points. Like, it was it was so easy for them against the Pacers last time. It was ridiculous. Do, do Pacers fans hate Bam out of Iowa? The Pacers fans hate Bam. Why would Pacers fans hate Bam? I don't know. It seems like no. there's this kind of personal vendetta against like pitting – Sabonis against Adebayo. That's funny. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think yeah, I okay. would have hated him if he had made the All Star team and Sabonis hadn't. Ah. Uh, to be fair, I think Bam probably had a better case. But Ooh, wow, that's, from that is, wow, no, I mean, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I'm surprised to hear you say it. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a better player, but not by much. Uh, no, I think Pacers fans have the vendetta against Jimmy for a million reasons, but especially that one. There was a picture. Uh, there's a picture from a while ago. I have no idea what the context is. Jimmy Baller just got off a plane and he's wearing a Pacers hat, like out in public, and someone got a picture of it. So pre-free agency, everyone's like, "Jimmy Butler, let's go!" You know, let's Vic and Jimmy, let's do it. I don't. I don't think anyone who reasonably could have expected it would have thought he would have come, and he didn't. And then the T.J. Warren stuff happened. So I think the only guy Pacers fans uh, do not admire on the Heat is Jimmy. Interesting. Yeah, he actually, uh, on that same Reddit podcast, he did not speak glowingly of uh, the city of Indianapolis. <laughs> well, in usually NBA players have such great things to say about yeah. uh, the Midwest. Yeah, I, I imagine. <laughs> uh, but he, yeah, I mean, I, I personally have never been, so I can't speak on it myself. I'm sure it's a lovely place. I'm actually, I was actually very much looking forward to going to the All-Star game next year to, to see what it you know, to see all of the, what the city has to offer. In fact, I wanted to go this year if there had been a, a four or five matchup, which is <laughs> something uh, we would have liked to talk about at some point, but who knows if it'll play out. Maybe we can in the future. That'd be great. So what's where would that beef have led? Let's talk about what this game might look like. Where would this beef have led? Because, I mean, Jimmy's obviously better. Like, right, he's, he's not wrong to say that T.J. Warren cannot guard him. To T.J. Warren's credit for your Heat listeners that don't know, he's been – unbelievably better on defense this season than any other season of his career. They literally pick him to guard like Dame and D'Lo and whoever on a night-to-night basis. Luca, it's, it's ridiculous that, that he's the guy they're picking. But yeah, Jimmy's just better. Jimmy's going to score on him, and Jimmy's an amazing defender. So, I mean, you, you can look at the last game, 14 points to three. Warren only played 23 minutes, but still only three points. Like, <laughs> I'm very curious how this would have gone over an extended game with two very competitive guys. You know, I... What's Warren's like uh, from a three-point perspective? He's a better th- shooter, obviously, right? Yeah, I a mean, little bit above league average. So I'm, my feeling is that he probably would have tried to, you know, expose Jimmy a little bit and, and probably take him out in the perimeter and see what he could 
get going from that perspective. And then, I mean, Jimmy would have done his best to guard him, but I think uh, eventually he would have had to have sagged off because there are just so many other offensive threats on that base. I mean, Mc- McMillan's a former player, right? He's going to be like, TJ gets the ball, first possession, ISO, no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you know, Jimmy – Jimmy scoring has been a problem in Miami. You talk to a lot of Heat fans and my listeners, and they're they're upset. It, it kind of fluctuates because you get like two bad Jimmy games or one bad fourth quarter from Jimmy, and the next thing you know, you get a 26, 27-point outing, and you're like, oh, yeah, Jimmy's back. Everything's great. But his shooting has been, I think, a career worst. Um, he's struggling with injuries. He's He hasn't talked about it in typical Jimmy-esque fashion, but I, I think it's been – a physical adjustment for him. And if anything, this prolonged uh, you know, absence is probably going to benefit him for future games, assuming the season starts at some point. So I, I'm not sure that that he would have been much of a threat. Like, you're, you're right. He's going to go at TJ Warren to kind of prove himself. But the thing is with Jimmy, and one of the reasons why he's been so effective, at least in Miami this year, is that he has been – such a phenomenal playmaker like he has been such a hub for offense for everybody else and and you see specific games where he is just more interested in trying to get other guys going and now that you have all these other good shooters on the team like Robinson and Hero etc it's easier for him to just kind of take a back seat and not necessarily have to score as much because he can try to get other guys going be more of a distributor and then kind of pick his spots a little bit more effectively as to when he wants to be a scorer. And, you know, that doesn't obviously work. Like I said, his shooting has not been very good, but it's, it's helped my say bad. It's okay. Yeah, no, I mean, that's been (laughs) realistic, but they're still a good offensive team for despite his struggles. You would think you look at their numbers and they're like, wow, Jimmy must be having a career year. No, he gets to the line a whole hell of a lot, but he's not, he's not shooting very well. Right. So, you know, I, I wonder as far as that matchup is concerned, I could see Jimmy just kind of saying, look, I, I don't need a score. We're going to beat your ass anyway, and <laughs> I'm going to do it by getting everybody else going, and they're the ones that are going to help beat you. So that, if anything, that would probably be more – I can imagine that being more infuriating for TJ Warren. Uh, absolutely. There's just nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. So yeah. let, let's flip the script. It's your turn now. Um, I guess I'm kind of forcing the question, but what matchup uh, are they going to be afraid of from, from a Pacers standpoint? Well, I, I think – the Oladipo issue is always an interesting one. I mean, I know he had his best game of the season right before, right? So, Dude loves playing the Heat, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that being – Duncan Robinson has been targeted so viciously on defense, uh, and I don't think that he's necessarily a poor defender, although he can be caught unawares at times. I wonder if Oladipo would have sensed that and, and been as aggressive as ever and tried to really attack him. I could see that being probably the most dangerous matchup for Miami. And, and Duncan is also prone to picking up really, really ticky tech fouls. Like, I'm not sure if it's just a reputational thing at this point or, you know, he, he's – if you look at some of the replays of some of these foul calls against Robinson, they're just absolutely ridiculous. And that's not homerism or anything like that. It's just very odd to see him get called for these fouls. And, I mean, he, he's white. He's not exactly the most mobile player. And then somehow I, I wonder if that's just kind of worked against him. So to me, that seems like the clear matchup problem. You know, uh, who's, who's starting Who's starting at point guard at four? Uh, Aaron Holiday starts. Aaron Holiday, okay. So because Kendrick Nunn is the other issue defensively in that starting lineup. Um, you know, him and Duncan Robinson are the biggest issues. Uh, in Miami, else. in Miami, when the Pacers had it for a second before they gave up a skillion rebounds in the last possession – 
and then had a chance and still didn't score. Aaron Holiday played very well as a starter because Brogdon missed that game as well. Right, right. Uh, so that, that's, that's a, a matchup shooting. I think the Pacers like. It's, it's especially him on Nunn. Yeah, Nunn's been awesome, but like Holiday really goes for it on D. Big wigs fan, aggressive offensive guy. And yeah, Nunn's a pretty sizable liability on that end right now. So I think it's one of those two, uh, and obviously Oladipo being the, the more complete player, if he's able to kind of carry that same momentum he had, assuming that this matchup would have taken place when it did, I, I think that's <laughs> the concern. Uh, how do you see that one playing out as far as Oladipo going up against a guy like Duncan Robinson who just doesn't have that kind of physicality? Well, yeah, what was impressive about, I mean, obviously Vic scoring 27 is is like you open your eyes massively because he's been he's been good since the All-Star break, especially – you know, 15 or more in every game. Uh, they, the, excuse me, their first game out of the break, he did not play well, but he got hurt right after. But, you know, the, the game sense, 15 or more every game, good enough shooting percentage where he's not just cratering you like he was a lot before. But the Celtics game was a new level, right? You raised the bar quite a bit. Easily his best game of the year, 27, his biggest point total by a mile. But efficient scoring, making his threes, good defense, seven rebounds, four assists. But the big thing was... It's the Celtics defenders on him were like reputably at least, and I think they're all good defenders. Good defenders, right? Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, occasionally Gordon Hayward. Now he'd get the right. switch on to like Kemba every once in a while, and mm-hmm. there's backups. But he, yeah, he was getting into his spots against a solid defensive team, and that was just great to see because for guys coming back from injury for a while, you know, they're contact averse, they shy away, they land on their a different foot on floaters things small little things that to us mean nothing but to them who have done the same thing over and over again their entire life that tiny difference throws them off a ton so seeing him truly explode in a big game was huge and confidence building and now seeing that going against a lesser defensive wall than the Celtics I think he could have had another big game especially again against the heat team that he enjoys playing against yeah, that would have been that would have been an interesting matchup. I'm now thinking about it too. You know, Eric Spolstra has been so stubborn as far as, far as his rotations are concerned. Like he has this tendency that if a player's hurt, he doesn't like just putting somebody in who is an obviously good matchup because he wants to keep his his bench rotation. Nate Millen does that too. I yeah, it yeah. is it is mind numbing. They'll, they'll pull I, the third string guy to the starters. Yeah, and that guy just stands in the corner the whole time. So Derek Jones, you know, it's been Derek Jones guarding Sabonis. Are we? How we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the well, concern for me. Actually, they'd probably put Bam on Sabonis and Derek Jones on Miles Turner. Not a great, but better. I, you know, look, I'll be honest with you. Derek Jones Jr. did okay against Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think he can handle the physicality. He's getting to that point where he can be a little bit. The Heat, better. the Heat need him to be that four defender kind of. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's the hope that he can continue to fill that role because uh, you know Myers Leonard starting, he's not. He didn't need the Keith Bogan start right start and never play the rest of the half. Yeah, um, so I, I can imagine. I mean, look, he's got the length. Obviously, he's got the athleticism and everything else. Uh, but you know, Sabonis, he's a much more polished offensive player i think so i I think that is uh you're not gonna have to worry about derrick jones scoring too much you know he's he's gonna get to the rim on occasion he's more of a a a better lob threat now than he's been in the past but at the same time um he's not a very good scorer he doesn't have any kind of offensive repertoire to speak of yeah between 
Um, the two games, like Sabonis was not good in Miami. Like that was probably his worst game of the season. I think he only had eight points. But then in Indy, he was the only good thing about the Pacers, 27, 14, and 6. So it's kind of weird because in my head, that's the biggest hole in the heat for the Pacers to expose is unless they're willing to put Bam on him and let Turner just destroy someone smaller than him or give up something to a guard. Sabonis is just – they're going to either have the post-up passes or the post-up buckets because that's where he's been killing it all year. And he can screen anyone, like you said, none. Robinson, not the greatest defenders. He can create opportunities for the rest of the team. That's right. I'm surprised you went straight to, to Oladipo and Aaron Holiday because I always have thought against the Heat, Sabonis is the guy who could tear them apart. He, I mean, he's done really good against a lot of teams this year. But this matchup specifically, I feel like he can dictate – on at least offense for the Pacers. I know his defense in space isn't great. Heat are going to make him move a ton. Talked about that a little bit, but I think he can can create some tough mismatches for Miami. I, you know, I, I'm curious to see how it would have played out because I don't think we saw that matchup during the first game that they played. But I, I think I think Jones can handle it a little bit. I mean, look, Ooh. he's yeah, I, I can't. I, I think he's got the. He's he's seen some interesting challenges over the course of the season. Like he he keeps getting put in this position, and he's been better. I think. It, look, depending on who you talk to, I think you'll see a pretty wide variance regarding you know how you rate his defensive abilities. But I think he's better. Uh, I mean, some of the statistics kind of show that he is not as good. But to me, I, I kind of like his versatility and, and his length, and, and I think it would probably be a little bit of a challenge for Sabonis to get as clear. I mean, obviously he's a more strong physical presence, but uh, I wonder if whether or not Derek might be able to kind of throw some of that off, get a limb in there, get a hand in there, kind of throw him yeah. off his, his, his game a little bit. So uh, it would be a fun matchup. And, you know and that's a, Go ahead. You know, you know what's interesting about defending Sabonis versus other strong guys? Mm-hmm. And I actually noticed this is a lot with Joel Embiid. I'm going to go back, back in time a little bit, actually. Okay. Pacers had Al Jefferson uh, last year, two years ago. And he had to play against the Sixers. And Al Jefferson is very slow and very bad at this stage in his career. But something he could do well is Joel Embiid, for all his goodness on defense at being strong, keeping his man away from the rim and rotating, Al Jefferson would bust out a little post move, and Joel Embiid had never seen anything like it before. You know, right. these, these guys with throwback post moves just destroy him. So bonus, I, you know, I'm not comparing. Giannis is a 1,000% better. You just talked about DJJ doing a great job on him. No comparison of players here, but the style difference is Sabonis has these post moves that some guys who have never defended the post before don't know what to do against, and that's where he gets a lot of his advantages. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I could see why you... It's purely anecdotal, though. Unfair. No, no, no. It's, 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 a, it's a good point. I mean, I, I think that's the, the reality of a lot of players in today's league is they're just not familiar with how to defend those kind of... Uh, versatile offensive moves um yeah for that maybe you're right i i'm i'm sure 
now that the, these trades took place, the midseason trades and the acquisition of Crowder and Iguodala, right. you've seen a lot more switching on defense, something that uh, Spolstra was reluctant to do earlier on. I mean, obviously they were going to the zone more often than any team in the league, but I think they've been a little bit more willing to kind of incorporate switches. So I could see a lot of Bam switching on to Sabonis and then yep. Jones kind of leaking out onto to Meyer. Uh, I'm sorry, onto uh, – Turner. Turner, sorry, Miles Turner. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, and and, uh, and, and that could be that could be something you'd see pretty often. So, yeah, that would be a fun cross match to me because I think the the Heat have the the perimeter advantage kind of significantly also. But I think that the Pacers can try to pummel the inside and get something. They going. give up a lot of threes by default. The, the Heat, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, the, the, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about, and you just brought it up unprompted. So that's nice. Yeah, the the Heat made a big trade. Um, they got a really old Iguodala, who's really good in the playoffs. I just completely loaded my thoughts on Iggy, but I think he's good. <laughs> and Jay Crowder, who was terrible for the Grizzlies, but has been better for the Heat. So how's that been working out for the Heat so far? I have only seen stats and not a Heat game since then. So shoot, shoot me some info there. Crowder has been really good. Um, that makes no sense so. to me. Like, he was terrible for the Grizzlies. I, I think that like he's starting to get that kind of reputation of being really good for really good teams and then not so good for bad teams. I mean, I don't know, but at some point it's like, well, maybe he's the reason why those teams were really bad. Like I'll never forget like him in Cleveland. That was, that was terrible. It was a really bad yeah. situation for him. And then all of a sudden he thrives when he got traded to Utah midseason. Um, for Miami, I mean, he, he seems, he's been a guy that I thought would be a perfect fit in Miami just because he kind of screams the quote-unquote heat culture, and he has been, he has bought into it a million percent. Like, he is active on Twitter, talking about <laughs> heat culture, showing that he's from South Florida. He loves it here. Uh, he loves the kind of accountability that the team prides itself on, and, and he's, he's shooting very well. He's had wow, some games where he's true shooting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Those that's those that number is kind of deceptive because he shot like ninety percent from three point range in his first few games, and that of course <laughs> that that tailed yeah. off, uh, understandably. So he's been very very good. Iguodala still kind of rounding into shape. I wonder how the layoff would impact him uh, if again the season ever resumes. But um, you know he's been figuring out his role. He's he's been more of a playmaker than I would have expected actually, uh, and his defense has been okay. His offense has just been a little bit struggling. Like he he's not able to create a lot of points for himself at this point. And I mean, I think he's just you know like wow. everybody else, he relied so much on Steph Curry. Three and a half shots per game. Yeah. Uh, wow. He's not I mean, the, he's not an offensive threat, but that's okay. He doesn't really need to be. He's not getting yeah. a lot of minutes, and and it's okay. It's uh, he's been fine. I think they actually make the move to get Iguodala more from a, a locker room perspective. Right, that's what I get a mature, Yeah, just to get a mature voice in there, especially when you look at the guys that they're kind of relying on, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan, Tyler Hero. These guys have never tasted the playoffs before. So all of a sudden you have a guy like Iguodala who's been to the finals, you know, five years in a row, clearly much more experienced. Uh, and, and I think that ma- that voice matters a lot. And uh, we started to see that just in the few weeks that he was with the team. So to me, it's been a good trade and, and, it's been a trade with a clear purpose in mind, which is that they see themselves as a potential title contender, which is not something that I agree with. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, you know, it's a little optimistic, but you know, we saw that, you know, look, they, they were capable of beating Milwaukee. And I think they see themselves as probably the best matchup for the bucks and, and a team that could beat them in a seven game series. And if it. that's the case, 
I mean, is there any team in the Eastern Conference that is a legitimate dominant force to stop Miami from potentially ascending all the way to the to the NBA Finals? I, I, I'm not sure. The, I mean, the Celtics are good. The Sixers, if they're healthy, they're good. I mean, even the Pacers are good, right? So that's the question I did have for you, though, is Let's I think go. the kind yeah. of the perspective around the league is, well, it's the Pacers. They always kind of overachieve. Are they actually any good? Where do you see them fitting into that kind of picture? Are, are, are there legitimate title hopes for this team as currently comprised? Not this year. Um, I think this year was, one, Vic recovering, and two, feeling out what they have with the two-center experiment. Yeah. Right, because last year, they, I think they closed two total regular season games together, and then Al Horford just eviscerated them in their five minutes a game, and they played together in the playoffs. And, it's, you know, their net rating was pretty good, but not the Celtics just dominated them. You know, there's some arguments both ways to say we should try this and shouldn't. So this season was, you know, was less about go for it and more about, okay, we just got seven new players, right? They were wild in the summer. They did a ton of stuff. Let's see who works. Let's see if the center stuff works and then build from there and get Vic back into shape. So it was kind of a growth year in, in the Vic era. And should the playoffs happen, I think if Zabonis Turner does well, they'll keep trying with that and try to upgrade and get, a, a, get something else good in the summer some other way. Or if it doesn't work, maybe moving on from one of those two guys to get the piece to make them really good. Because Brogdon was fringe all-star when he was healthy. Uh, before December. Sabonis so obviously was an all-star. Vic, we know what he can do. That's three legit guys. TJ Warren has been great a lot of the time this year. You know, they really think they got something with their core rotation if it all fits. They just have to figure out who fits with what. So, again, if, if Turner in the playoffs, if him and Sabonis are just clicking, those two guys look great. They can stop guys. They can keep up on offense. Then I think they're going to try to keep punching with that. But – I think next year is the year where they really say, this is the best iteration of this team we can make right now. And that's where I think they're going to go for it. So this year, you, you could say they're overachieving, and actually I do too, although the prior two years people said they were overachieving. I'm not so sure. But this year, yeah, they probably are. Uh, and who knows how that ends up shaking out for them come playoff time. But next year I think is the year that they're going to say, we personally internally have expectations of winning a playoff series and doing well. So it's kind of a weird flux thing. We're like, cool. Sabonis is really good. We figured that out this year and like, Oh, Aaron Holiday can help a little bit. Yeah, cool. And then that, everything else is just kind of, all right, well, this is fun. But next year is going to be, everything is boring because you want to win every game. <laughs> if you had to move on from one of the two bigs, who, who would you choose? Turner. I think, so, so, so bonus is, is an Oak is a good defender and probably more like an average defender, but he's better at defending centers than the role he's currently in. So I think his defense and his defensive stats are a little misconstrued. Obviously his offense is amazing and miles is really good. I think miles is better than the role he has, right? He is the fifth option. So he barely ever shoots and all he's asked to do is play really good defense and make threes. And he can do some stuff off of one or two dribbles he can make some nice passes. He's a good screener and popper, especially. He's good. He's just the fifth option on offense. Everyone else is, is better at doing stuff with the ball and making decisions than he is. So that's what it is. But I think Sabonis's aggregate ability level is a bit higher and is more conducive to success with the guys they have. Not that Turner. I mean, Turner is fit proof. You know, no matter what system he's in, because he can make the reason to defend, he fits in. 
But right. I think given the surrounding guys, Sabonis is the guy they would keep. Uh, but the question is like, if you could get a bigger return for Sabonis that gives you the better fit with Turner, maybe you make that move. So it's kind of hard to say, but I, I'm almost positive the team would. If, if it came to that, I have no intel on this, but if it came to that, I think they would choose Sabonis of the two. What would you uh, what would you expect in a return for Miles Turner? Like, I mean, if you have you, I'm sure this has been content that you've probably talked about, yes, especially sir. during the trade deadline. But <laughs> it, was there like a package in particular that you thought would be the best one for uh, Miles Turner? Uh, yeah, Robert Covington was a commonly oh. discussed guy because you need to get a four for the Pacers, right? Warren is your wing, guards Brogdon, Depot, Dunn. You have nothing to if you trade Turner, you're, you have nothing to fill the gap next to Sabonis. And well, well, the problem with Turner about the trade deadline, right? You heard his name a lot. Was all the all the fake teams that were asking for him were like, "Oh, here's our veteran for salary and picks." It's like, no, the Pacers don't want picks; they're good now. They want to right. be good. So it's kind of hard, actually, because he is youngish too. So teams that are building want him. That's why Covington was a really good one. So it's kind of hard to to come up with one, but something around that value to me. Uh, but that's, that's kind of hard to contrive it. You know, that Covington's a unique player. That's why he was such a coveted guy by Houston. Yeah. So I know a lot of Heat fans thought that he might be a good fit in Miami too. And he's, I mean. Covington or Turner? Uh, actually, both. I did see a lot of speculation. Turner, Bam would be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because Bam, obviously not much of a shooter right now. But, I, right. I mean, both of them being such solid, versatile defenders, that would be very dangerous, I think. Wow. I've never thought of the Heat when I think of teams. A very common one before was the Celtics, right? They need a center. They have a million right. wings. Let's get this done. But I don't think he has the value of any of those wings now. Maybe smart, but I don't think the Celtics would do that. Well, it's just, I mean, obviously Myers is on a, uh, you know, he's the last year of his contract and he's an unrestricted free agent. And so I don't know that a lot of people envision him as a long-term answer at center. I mean, you could continue going with Bam at center, but I think they like him kind of being more of a, a roving player. Um, and so you see a guy like Turner, as young as he is, like you alluded to, and he seems like a good fit. I mean, just because Bam is on the up, uh, on, you know, up and coming kind of player, and and so to pair them together probably makes them both much better than they currently are. And so I think that's an interesting option. Wow. There. I just I don't know. Yeah, I I, I mean I like it. I just don't I know that thought about that one. Yeah, I just don't think Miami has anything of value no necessarily way. to no. offer. Sorry. Sorry about No, that. yeah, it's real. I mean <laughs> Tyler Hero, you would you want a, a young Tyler Hero? Uh they they could do some three team stuff there, but uh no yeah. the Pacers do not want Tyler Hero. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's yeah it's tough, right? It's it's pretty tough for a lot of teams, especially because of the way the center position is is valued these days. So right. I have no idea what they're going to do. Maybe the Clippers. I don't know. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my time thinking about this again. I've done it a million times <laughs> until the playoffs are either great or a complete disaster. I'm reserving my judgment on what I think of the pairing and what they can get in a trade. Last question. Then out of curiosity, do you see the season resuming? Uh, I think so. Maybe this is the cynic in me. I said okay. I, the voice I just said was too optimistic. I think so because the TV money is huge. Um, you know, I, I think it'll take a while, but I, I personally think the best case scenario or the best scenario in terms of timing for everything, right? Cause the off season's still required and all this stuff. I kind of feel like the best scenario is when they can come or like when they get to a point where they feel comfortable with obeying the 50 rule, right? So have the two teams and the TV crew, 
just to go fanless and just start in the playoffs. But that I don't know if that's something like the Pelicans would be pissed if that was the solution, for example. Yeah. But every team, basically every other team has solidified their playoff spot. So it's kind of hard to see if that would be the best decision or not. But I think that is certainly possible and would satisfy TV deals and make the league happy. So I don't know. I don't know how it comes back, but I think it does come back just because of how much money is in the networks. Well, you're a lot more optimistic about it than I am. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Of, I, I, I totally understand canceling it. I totally get it. And I, honestly, help, public health-wise, it's probably the smartest move. Yeah. But the, the, again, the money is huge. Like the big three did the announcement today that they're doing yeah, the Mansion League, right? And that's yeah. probably not the – I mean, but, they're all in the same house. But it not, sounds like a, a combination of a big brother slash tournament. I mean, is that what it is? <laughs> like we're all these players living in the same room. We're all going to watch it, though. All- yeah. we're all going to watch it. I, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're, everybody will be glued to the television going, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. If they can pull it off where it's not a public health nightmare, great. I mean, maybe it is, but we'll see. Like if that does numbers, I feel like the, the NBA will be more inclined to come back. I mean, I mean are we just going to be watching like 42-year-old players getting high inside of a mansion all the time as they wait to, to be part of the like a 303 tournament? You want anything more than Al Harrington and Glenn Davis smoking and then immediately punking each other on a basketball court? uh yeah actually that's, that's not kind of interesting now <laughs> yeah see it'd be fun yeah. um but yeah i i only say bring that up as like uh like clearly ice cube and the big three is like there's so much money to be made right now yes. because people are dying for sports and people love sports and i think the nba is going to do hold on as long as possible to try to get that money and that's why i think they come back but again i certainly think as you well you alluded to didn't say is the health crisis is much more important and canceling it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I, I, I've, it's also interesting to me. I know we're kind of spiraling here, but the, the possibility of starting the season around the Christmas holiday. I, mean, I love it. I would love that. It, 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 yeah, I never really considered it before. I, I feel like I'm so far removed from like football fandom that I don't understand <laughs> the kind of conflict that it might place. But I mean, there are obviously when you're a sports fan, a lot of sports fans watch multiple sports at the same time. I am not one of those. So I I just, I don't watch football anymore. And so to me, I never really think of Christmas day as the launching point for the season, but I know the more peripheral fans about the NBA, they kind of do see it that way. So it makes a lot of sense. And like, I mean, all of a sudden it would be, I think a much more annual type event. I think like the league would be, I think that it would be better for the league in many ways. Uh, and it would be a representative of some growth for them and it would capture a lot more interest and fandom. And, and I could see it taking off. And I, I think they're going to use this as an opportunity to kind of explore it. And so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised at all if it's, it happens from then on. Well, just zooming far out, if you're talking about two sports at once, I think they would prefer to compete with baseball than football, right? So that's another factor here. Yeah. I mean, I think those are two pretty different fan bases right so yeah i'm all for that i think that'd be pretty cool i think that makes a lot of sense but like you i do not really get into football either so i mean we'll see i'm sure they'll have some justified reason for picking whatever they pick and people will some people will hate and some will love it i know that's very stupid to say but it is what it is at this point we just kind of gotta we kind of gotta survive for like eight weeks before we get to that conversation well, I don't have anything else to really get into as far as the Pacers matchup uh, is concerned. Okay, well, uh, who would you have picked in this game to win? It's in Indiana, correct? It is, yes. I like that you asked that. 
uh, Miami has been really bad on the road. So uh, I, I have to say that uh, given the kind of emotions that we'll see in the field house, uh, I would say Miami probably drops this one pretty easily. Pacers are getting up for the team they're chasing. Man, they, they are on a roll. Best record in the East over the last 10 games. So, no, very under-discussed team right now. But, uh, yeah, I would have picked them in this game too. Especially if Jimmy didn't play. I don't know what his health status was. But would have been uh, very interesting. Yeah, he was, uh, he was day-to-day. Uh, I, I think he actually could have played against the I could the feel Hornets. the air quotes right there. Yeah, I, he was <laughs> – he could have played against the Hornets, but it was the Hornets, and nobody assumed that they actually needed him out there. And it turned out they did. But uh, I, I think uh, he probably would have. I, I think he would have gone out there even if he was missing a limb, if, for no other reason than to prove something to TJ Warren. <laughs> right. Well, it would have been fun, uh, David. What are you working on, and where can people follow you? Uh, ironically enough, I am actually working on a story on Al Harrington right now. Wait, what? No way. What are the odds of that? Yeah, yeah. Actually. Uh, I actually talked to him a couple of weeks ago. That's hilarious. Uh, didn't yeah? Didn't I was supposed to talk with him in Chicago for All Star and did not get to. Uh, but I did go to a party that he was throwing uh, for his line of cannabis related products. And that was interesting. Um, wow, and, and so that's yeah. awesome. I want to yeah. read this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, a couple other things. Um, actually, I got a chance to talk with Myers Leonard and his wife recently and, and their line of products away from uh, basketball. They, they, I don't know if you know this, but uh, she started a company of uh, protein bars, basically, Level cool. Foods. Yeah. And so wow. I'll be working you're, on that story. You're getting everything out of these players right now. <laughs> uh, trying to, you know, you got to make whatever context you can. But other than that, yeah, everybody can check out my stories. Uh, my Follow me on Twitter at DRamil13. I post stories for Forbes. I also post stories for The Step Back and uh, anywhere else I write. Yes, great heat coverage, of course, as well, at, well, <laughs> when they play, as well as, yeah, another Forbes. I can't believe I forgot that at the beginning. It's okay. Uh, of course. I, have, I haven't been there in, in quite some time. There hasn't felt like there's been a lot to talk about, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, Of course, at Locked on Heat is where you can find Locked on Heat. And at Locked on Pacers is where you can find Locked on Pacers. I'm on Twitter at TEastMBA, working on some fun season memory stuff before we look to push the conversation forward a little bit. So, uh, David, if you don't have anything else, I think we can let everybody get out of here. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. No, thank you for coming on. And this is going on your show too. So thank you for having me on. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.